So Zoom, WebEx, all of these companies that are making loads more money, that are probably getting loads more investment, they're going to start moving along the value chain, move up and down. And therefore, what you're going to find in the applications that, that we're all using, there will be more features. There will be more collaboration features. There will be more plugins to maybe enterprise platforms, more, you know, there'll, there'll just be more, there'll be richer experiences. And I think that is where, you know, there'll be real benefits to us as end users because we'll have more choice. On today's show, we are talking to Amir Hashmi, the founder and CEO of Jar, an award-winning cloud and managed technology services company that's headquartered here in London, but has global reach. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to tech professionals and leaders from across the industry and bring you a little bit of news. Hang on a sec. No, no. Do not eat chairs. Anything else? Go go crazy, but not the chairs. <laughs> I'm glad I started it. I hit record about 10 <laughs> seconds ago. Uh, I am talking- open to the show. <laughs> I am talking to the dog, not a neighbour or anything weird. <laughs> Hi, Jack. Hello there. Hello from from Jack and Ron. Ron the Corgi is being a right little nuisance this morning. He needs he needs his walk, don't you, mate? Oh dear. And Tech Talks is getting in the way. No, Tech Talks isn't getting in the way. He's just well, he's getting in the way of his walk. Well, he's awoken. He, his soul has awoken earlier today. Usually, the the craziness in him comes out about midday, but we're we're over an hour earlier than that today. So, yeah, he's keeping me on my toes this morning. We should explain that Ron is a how many month old corgi? Ron is a, a fast approaching, or no, four and a half month old corgi. Um, he's been who's, with us. Who's, who's grandmother won Crofts? His grandmother won Crofts for cow herding about 20 odd years ago, yeah, which is incredibly cute and sweet. I wouldn't think he'd win much at Crofts, uh, to be honest. He doesn't really have a skill. He is incredibly cute and gorgeous, obviously. Well, but Yeah, but you're training him, so. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, he, he's more used to posing for camera for, for pictures than anything at the moment. Um, he is very cute. Oh, he's ridiculous, David. I mean, if anyone watched our, our coffee break advert, he featured yeah. in that towards the end, so they can they can see for themselves. Hey, he look, you cute. don't don't just take that for it. Ron under slash the under slash corgi on Instagram as well. He's so. got his own Instagram account. The as. <laughs> Actually, we might come back to that later in the show. Right. Today's guest is Amir from Jar. Uh, we're going to be talking all about cloud. Not as cute as Ron, but still very relevant. Um, and after the interview, we will have some commentary on it uh, for you, as well as a bit of tech news later on in the show. So today we're talking to Amir. You are the founder and CEO of Jar. How are you this morning, Amir? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Yeah. The sun is back. It feels after a little bit of, what, a few weeks where the summer kind of got lost. It's it's returned. Absolutely. It's returned with a vengeance, I think. It's set to be really hot this week, right? So. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, <laughs> as much as lockdown is no fun, the fact that I don't have to get on the tube when it's over 30 degrees is a huge bonus. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> anyway look um thank you for for j- taking the time to join us on the podcast this morning do you just want to t- tell us who jar are because prior to uh setting up the interview with with you this morning i'll be honest it wasn't a company i'd heard of but it, you're working in a in a space where there is a lot of competition so it'd be great to just get a bit of context behind you in the business sure yeah no no i appreciate that so yeah so the company the company's been around for for a fair amount of time um and um and you know, in terms of what we do, 
we we have our own cloud platform so we we offer managed cloud and a global cloud platform similar to um you know your aws or your your azure's we offer private cloud as well um uh, but we've been around for a long time so we've been there and kind of done it you know we've we've been there before cloud was around we've been around since before virtualization was was popular so so we've been hosting since the good old days of what we call tin which is uh, just bare bare servers, for example. So, um, so we've really kind of been there and done it, and we, we've 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 actually pioneered quite a lot of um, services and technology in the cloud. Um, we're a London-based firm, um, and uh, you know we, we're we're quite nimble, or you know we're, we're a small business. You know we're not we're not a large enterprise business. We're a small business, but we operate platforms and we host platform for some of the biggest brands in the world. So you know. Um, Global platforms, UK-based platforms, uh, for for some very well-known brands. Uh, yeah, so and and so our core offering is is what we call managed cloud. We have a team of developers, uh, so we develop our own platform, which is called Grids, which hopefully I can I can talk a bit about later because it comes into the kind of multi-cloud aspect that we're 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 going to be talking about. Um, and um, yeah, we're a central London-based space in South Kensington. You've mentioned that you're London-based a couple of times. Just out of interest. I- how important is that? Because I would kind of imagine that a lot of the businesses that are now now looking at cloud who hadn't previously yeah. are possibly regional businesses. And that might be a, a totally naive view. But I kind of I have in my head this view that maybe companies in and around London have already gone through that digital journey. And maybe companies in other sectors in more regional part of the countries hadn't. And that comes from someone who's a native of the Northeast. So I'm not saying that from a from a point of view that the Southeast is somehow, you know, more enlightened than than places like Newcastle and Leeds and Manchester. I know that's a that's a crock of shit. But at the same time, it is it is the view that you have. No, it's a, it's a really, really good point. So um I think I mentioned London so many times because it's my hometown and I grew up in London, you know, I'm a L- I'm, I'm a Londoner. So um I've mentioned it for that, mainly probably for that reason. And we've always been in London. We do have people that work abroad. So we do have people in Prague. We have people in um, uh, uh, Stockholm. We have people in uh, Romania as well. And we have some people in um, Ireland. However, um, our strategy for being in central London, it, there's two main things. One is there's, there's access to really good talent. We're literally around the corner from Imperial College, which is a famous university, and we do lots of work with them. We we help we actually help a lot of their students. They just come in and do some get some work experience and things. But we also end up hiring from there. Um, and that's not to say that obviously other towns don't have universities and talent that you can pull from. But I know London, and most of our staff are, are London based as well. Um, I'd say probably about half of them. So and 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 actually, if you look at our customers, most of our customers are London based. Or southeast based, um, so that it might be an international, you know, an office, you know, that's part of an international multinational firm. But most of our actual customers is in London. Um, it's growing, you know, because we are a growing firm. So you know, we are we are now traveling around a bit more uh, and flying around a bit more. But but you know, I'd say that a good seventy percent of our business comes from a London office of of some sort. Mm. Now, very quickly, do do you just mind helping me out by? explaining exactly what you mean by multi-cloud and you mentioned grid there as well because when yeah. i think of cloud i tend to think of basically a, a mixture of on-prem off-prem hybrid those are the kind of that's the kind of terminology i'm used to and whether or not you've, you've used cloud services or not multi-cloud is possibly a little bit 
more than I'm used to hearing, and grid is not a phrase I'm familiar with. As time has gone by, all we've seen with the kind of hosting kind of um, industry or the host- hosting technologies is we've seen constant abstraction. So before we had metal tin, we had servers. Then we had, and we had operating systems on top of them. Then we had virtualization, which sat on top of those, which which abstracted the hardware further. Um, then we had, uh, you know, public cloud, and you know, we had um, hybrid cloud, as you mentioned, private cloud. What we found as 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 time has gone by is these different cloud platforms. So let's say AWS, Azure, Google, for example, some of the big ones. They've they've kind of settled into kind of niches, right? So Google is known for kind of data and analytics. Um, <clears throat> AWS pioneered serverless, you know, they kind of pioneered serverless. And and what we're finding is that people are starting to buy, not starting actually, because we've been operating multi-cloud platforms for customers for years already. Um, but people are using these different cloud platforms for various workloads, for example, that they've got to run. And they choose the best one to, to run those workloads in. So it might be, for example, you know, I need a load of GPUs, right, for, for, for a week, for a month, for a year. I'm going to go to the to the to the relevant cloud supplier. I'm not going to put I'm not going to try and buy it from the same one because there are different economy, economies of scale. And that's where that's what that's what multi cloud really is, is you know, being able to run even even one application across different clouds, which again we do for customers. Um, or running lots of your applications across different clouds, but then managing all of that. You have to manage all of that. Mm. Before, before an organization would say, right, you know, we're going to go cloud. Let's, let's draw up our cloud strategy. Right, we're going to go with AWS for various reasons. There'll be a business case behind it. Um, and that's it, really. Um, what's, what else are we going to do? Well, nothing else. We've got data centers. We're going to migrate to AWS. And then um, uh, that's our stunt. <laughs> That's us done, but I think it's it's much smarter than that now, yeah. And that's why they, that's why we're talking about multi-cloud. It's much smarter than that. We're going to go AWS because we're going to we're going to go AWS for these sets of applications that are serverless. We're going to go to Azure because Azure do you know they've got really good AD, got really good SQL Server offering, SQL Server as a service. So we're going to split across these clouds. Hence, multi-cloud. I suppose what you're describing there, you have to have a certain level of maturity around technology to to understand what's going to benefit your organization. But post-pandemic, there are a lot of organizations who are adopting some of this technology for the first time. Uh, and they've seen the need to streamline or to automate elements, or if they're going to to, to uh, embrace tech, it, it's from a cost-saving perspective. Is that driving the challenges in terms of what you've got to provide to those organizations in the post-pandemic world? Are you, are you having an interesting conversation as well around translating some of their business needs into tech speak? Because to be perfectly frank, you might not be dealing with a seasoned CIO or CTO in some of these businesses. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so the whole multi-cloud aspect can be totally, you know, it can be, you know, we've, we've mentioned several times in, we've mentioned several times in the past and we mentioned now that, you know, firms that aren't so mature and don't have such a, capability in terms of uh, IT service management, for example, you know, they should be looking for a good managed service provider. Um, and a good managed service provider will then take away a lot of that thinking, right? A good managed service provider is a proper partner and, 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 and a partner will actually will be proactive, which means they will go to the customer 
and say, well, Mr. Customer, you know, we know that you're running X, Y, and Z. We know from talking to you about your strategy, your business strategy, that you want to be in these markets. You want to be this size, for example. You want to grow. We recommend using multi-cloud. If it's right, it might not be right for the organization, but if it's right, if we believe it's right because we know what the customer needs, we will then translate that and, and address that to the customer. Ultimately, if it's a customer that's not so tech-savvy, um, then then it will be presented as costs and it will be more or less irrelevant. Um, but but for but you're right, you're hundred percent spot on that. You know, a customer that's uh, uh, fairly savvy will, will will understand this and and may have you know their their ideas already. You know, their strategy already sewn up. Right, we're using you know these two cloud cloud providers and that's it. We're not going to use anyone else. We've got, we've done all the analysis. We've done all the cost modeling. But that's but that's all stuff that we would do. For a, for a non-savvy customer, but we would present it back to them in business speak, which is the important thing, so they can understand it. Yeah, you've, you've touched there on some of the benefits that um, an MSP can provide. Just yeah. have interest. What's that? What's that doing to your business? Because you started by saying we're based in London. I know London. A lot of our customers in London, but we're, we're beginning to have to travel more. Mm-hmm. I suppose it might well be the case that a lot of these organisations who are very new to this language and this and this uh, sector take a lot of time and in the nicest possible way they take a lot of time but they're not necessarily your biggest customers so i suppose for you for you you've kind of got to juggle your your needs to how or, or your needs to how how much uh you can support them and you want to support them as much as you can but also grow your business in a way that that kind of makes sense for you and for Jar. Yeah, no, it's a very very good point and and we you know one of the things that we've always said we've always maintained and you know, I won't name competitors, but many of our competitors will not come and see you face to face. So if you're if you're if you're a customer, whether you're in London or not, um, but you know, if you're if you're a potential customer, and we've qualified you as an opportunity, and, and we have to be big, we have to be big boys about this because, you know, if 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 a customer has a, has a has a requirement and calls us up and says, look, we've got a requirement for one one VM, for example, that's going to cost fifty quid a month. Um, then their expectation of us coming to see them is probably fairly diminished anyway. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it is based on opportunity. But we certainly like to go and see customers or potential customers. We like to meet people. We like to interact. Because business, you know, we buy from one another. Uh, you know, we, we, we buy on price and things. But ultimately, we, we like to have, we like to in business have good relationships and, and we want things to be smooth. So if a, if a customer wants someone to manage their tech or their cloud, they want they do want to ideally be able to know that they can can relate to them right um so yeah we, we we're traveling more because we're seeing more of a diverse uh diverse set of customers coming in we like to travel because you know we like to meet people um uh, uh and 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 these all ultimately you know they they go it go it comes down to cost of sale right it comes down to our cost of sale um but we believe in long term relationships right you know we we don't we don't, you know, we we actually would rather not have, you know, a very, very quick kind of relationship with customers. We'd rather build a long-term relationship. Um, and that and that doesn't, and that, that actually means a lot because it means that we won't necessarily, you know, pile up costs uh, up front um, with, with a contract, for example. And, we, you know, we'll, we'll prove it over the over the term. And that, and that actually speaks volumes because, you know, most of our customers, we have a very low, uh, you know, turnaround with customers. You know, we, we don't, we don't, we don't tend to lose customers, which is great. I mean, it's fantastic. Um, 
So just out, yeah, of, so, yeah. just out of interest, you're talking there about your customers, you're talking about relationships. There's there's a huge amount more customers coming into the marketplace. Uh, a lot of organizations are embracing tools that they maybe had had, but hasn't necessarily adopted in a way that, you know, the business hadn't embraced them. Now we are all using these tools. We look set to use these tools in a home environment more so than we've done going forward. What does this all mean to this space in the next few years? Because I imagine after the initial push to adopt more services to go to cloud, if you haven't done it previously, to maybe look at multi-cloud, then what? Yeah. Uh, is, you know what, that's a really good point. And, you know, we're finding this, I mean, you know, I've got three kids, right? And they've all been on Zoom conference calls all day for the last, you know, X months. And and if you actually sit down and watch them, and, I, you know, I've sat down a couple of times just in between, not in camera view because I'll get told off, <laughs> but I'll, I'll sit there and kind of watch them and see how see how they're interacting with the computer and what they're doing. And they're so they're so nimble. I mean, kids, kids pick up things generally very quickly anyway. But, you know, my wife's also, she's been doing some courses and she's using Zoom as well. Everyone's, everyone's on, you know, video conferencing. Um, uh, but but the, key, the key thing is, is that, you know, they're, they're being really productive. They, they're, they're moving around doing all this stuff because, you know, as you know, with, with video conferencing, you, you're not just, you might be typing, you're talking and you're listening and you're making notes as well. And I think um, the, natural, the natural kind of evolution of, of what we're doing around, this kind of everyday productivity at home. Um, and, and something that I've talked about before is, is that companies like Zoom, like WebEx, you know, Microsoft, you know, with Teams as well, what they're going to do, as they've seen such popularity, it's natural that they're going to move along the value chain. So the value chain being, you know, Michael Porter has written all about business. And we've got the value chain. The value chain is essentially kind of what we do um, and where we do it in the market. And you can move up the value chain, you can move down the value chain. So if you're uh, if you're making, for example, if you're if you're a company making software, and you're really successful, you might decide strategically, I'm going to start making equipment. Microsoft, yeah, right. Microsoft moved down the value chain to start making Surface notebooks, and it was a successful. Mm. So Zoom, Webex, all of these companies that are making loads more money, that are probably getting loads more investment, they're going to start moving along the value chain move up and down and therefore what you're going to find in the applications that, that we're all using there will be more features there'll be more collaboration features there'll be more plugins to maybe enterprise platforms more you know there'll, there'll just be more there'll be richer experiences and i think that is where you know there'll be real benefits to us as end users because we'll have more choice the key thing is for them not to make things too complicated i think that's one of the one of the one of the reasons why you know everyone's kind of adapted to these video conferencing platforms because they're fairly easy to use. You click on a link, you say, turn my video on or mute, share screen. And that's probably the most complicated thing. You know, people are, oh, where, where can I share the screen? But, you know, that's probably it. So so they need to find a balance. But definitely, I think they're going to become richer experiences. Yeah. Well, look, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us this morning about the market, about Jar. Uh, sounds like it's an exciting and busy time for you. Uh, but uh, yeah, look, enjoy the weather. As we said, it's a beautiful day. So go and enjoy that. And thank you so much for your time on the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. So look, uh, cloud, cloud we've spoken about many times. I think whenever we speak about cloud, we go, well, it's not very sexy, but it's pretty relevant. And it stays not being particularly sexy, but <laughs> if anything, it just gets more relevant. I mean, 
I don't want to, you know, be the guy that keeps harping back to the pandemic, but especially now, right? Um, you want these serverless, um, towerless areas to host information and keep it safe, um, because it, that is the main thing with with hosting and cloud and things like that is safety, right? It, yeah. it, it is through and through. And Zar sound like they've they've got that nailed, um, oh, yeah, and they yeah. sound like they've they've been around the block a few times as well, right? Yeah, they've been around for a little while. But look, let, let's let's kind of put some meat on the bones here. Um, it's uh, Primark, isn't it, who didn't have uh, an internet presence um, and at the beginning of lockdown, all of a sudden lost £650 million <laughs> pounds worth of business because they didn't have an internet presence, I think. It's either Primark or H&M. It's one of those two brands. But equally, Laura Ashley um, now will no longer have a physical presence. They will just be an online retailer. Wow. Uh, B&Q. Uh, had a hundred thousand customers in their queue trying to get onto their website at one point during the pandemic. Certainly, if you look at retail, it just underscores the point that there's a lot of businesses here who either didn't have an online presence and the cloud capabilities to cope previously, um, or they're having to scale. And you know, you've got all these organisations with with uh, legacy. And they don't have the ability to scale products because they don't have the infrastructure, which is obviously now being provided by cloud uh, organizations, to serve their customers. So a lot of organizations, and these are big, these are big brands. So yeah. never mind smaller businesses who possibly hadn't thought about it previously going, Christ, we need more of a tech presence. I mean, I've, up to a certain point, your CIO or your CTO has to bear some of this responsibility if you haven't made if you're a retailer and you haven't at least dipped your toe into e-commerce or or looked at the gig economy or looked at going online and digital then my sympathy wanes to be honest um it's been it's not like this is a new thing you know it's it's why we're here is why we've always been here you know like the advancement in tech is and I get that, you know, especially in the public sector, people get tied into legacy contracts and they they find it hard to then progress digitally or evolve digitally, I should say, because they're still stuck with, you know, these big server rooms or whatever. But there has to have been some kind of foresight in this. And look, no one's going to force have foreseen a pandemic, but everyone will have foreseen the death of the high street and stuff like that. Right. That's that's nothing new. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. It's funny. It's interesting to see and hear about who's adopted and who hasn't, and you know where, where they are in their scale up stages. But yeah, B and Q crazy Wix. I think I was talking to a guy that works in Wix recently, actually, because you know, as everyone, we tried to do a bit of DIY during the lockdown, and he said, if it was my wish, we would just turn it into a click and collect business entirely now. And um, so that's that's some sort of frontline information there that you know that could be the way they look to go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look. We've talked during the pandemic about this being an acceleration um, on on numerous different fronts, kind of 10 years in six months, et cetera. I suppose for cloud as well, we, we, we have been talking about what's your cloud strategy. And Amir kind of describes this, you know, uh, right, which partner are we going for? And that's mm. less the strategy now. And it's matured into a smarter approach of picking a partner and having applications running across different cloud supply, cloud, cloud suppliers. So AWS, Azure, et cetera. And they all have different strengths. Mm. And that's interesting because 
you know, there's there's a point later on in the interview where he's talking about Zoom and WebEx and those organizations moving up and down the value chain, that giving you more choice. Well, equally, um, the pandemic is making, I suppose, organizations think, what do we actually need from our cloud supplier? Can one pl- supplier provide it? And, and, and diversifying and giving a bit more choice. Yeah, I mean, I would never want to be the person that makes that decision in a company. It's funny, I'm just blaming CIOs and CTOs, but I would never <laughs> want to be the one responsible for choosing your cloud operation system or, you know, which way you go. Uh, you know, I think there's a huge case to be made for going entirely into the cloud, but there's a strong case to be hybrid uh, and and to take different parts and different facets of that. Um, but again, I suppose it just it, it, it boils down to what's the safest option for, for your company and safety in yeah. terms of not just security, but in long-term costs. You can get into a cloud legacy system, 10-year contract, and be just as fucked 10 years down the line as you are now sort of thing. So mm. it is it falls back to safety again. You know, Do you have a partner that you trust? Are they safe? Are they, are they hosting it safely? You know, it can go on and on and on. What about this idea that, you know, kids are more flexible, they're more agile? Well, we already know that, but, um, you know, the the natural evolution of productivity at home, um, I suppose, obviously, as time goes on, as more new people, younger people enter the workforce and they are more used to all of this stuff, Mm. uh, it's going to become more and more entrenched. And there is a huge opportunity for some of these organizations that um, are reasonably new to the population as a whole entering new markets. And I, I thought um, Amir's analogy of software and equipment and Microsoft moving down the value chain to create hardware in the in the, in the the likes of Surface successfully was a really good way of kind of describing it. But now you've got, you know, the likes of a Zoom, who everyone's familiar with and have yeah. a great opportunity to think about how they evolve as a business themselves. Well, I think it's it, that and that ties into the other point that, that Amir mentioned about meeting people face to face. I think there's always still going to be the need for physical stuff and physical learning. And especially like you can you can learn over Zoom, right? You can. But I am sorry. It's not the same as sitting in a class. It just isn't. Um, that would still be my preferred method of learning. And I imagine a few people in uh, millennials would continue down that path. What will be interesting to see is the progression of education for below gen z right i don't even know what we're calling the generation after gen z yet gen a we know the alphabet again i don't know maybe maybe it's double a maybe maybe it's a b c d and then a a a uh b a c a oh yeah it could be could be anyway it'll be interesting to see if they like but if like schools start up doing a half in school during the week half online and stuff like that and it's it's as frightening as it is exciting really which i suppose is you know the crux of all tech advancements i I, I genuinely look on this point i genuinely think vr is the thing because because what screens don't give you is a is an environment that you can react to around you yeah yeah you were in a properly immersive vr environment where where you were all interacting with it and you just turned around and your classmate was sat next to you and your teacher was at the front of the class well how is that any different from actually physically being there well, it's not. It's not. Um, and VR's not that far off that. No. Well, there must be. I don't know the tech that would be that you could turn around and see your classmate in the I, same just, room. I, I saw it a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, I, was at, I was at Web Summit in Lisbon, and I can't remember which company were doing it, but they were demoing basically where four or five different people could put on VR headsets, and you were all stood on the bridge of the Enterprise interacting nah. with the same environment and each other wait could you when you saw your teammate or whatever did they have the vr headset on in the well, no, they, were just avatar, they were just an avatar 
Oh, right, 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 right. But right, they right. were controlling the Avatar. That yeah. was also, you know, that, like I, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with you. Like, yeah, nothing, nothing but, beats meeting people. But yeah, why? Yeah. We, what, what, what makes meeting someone feel real? Is it not being a two D screen? Not necessarily actually being in their presence. You can't learn the nuances of social skills by learning vr entirely i i, no, I don't know I don't, you can't pick no but you can't pick up on body language on tone on facial expression well, no, of course you could if, if it was if if it if it was proper vr that was mapping all that stuff look i mean christ if Andy Still, can't fucking pay for that <laughs> all right fair enough they might be, that might be a point <laughs> anyway we've gone down a little bit of a black hole here uh so yeah zoom zoom moving up and down the value chain yeah yeah, yeah, that's that's what we we're talking about. Yeah, um, but I, I I think for me this interview and what will always fill my heart with joy in a disrupted time is that uh, Amir and Zar they say we still like getting out there and meeting the customer. A bit tricky at the moment, but people still buy people, and you know as long as there's millennials around, people will still buy people, and above us as well, you know Gen Gen Y Z boomers still buy off of people. Yeah. As long as we're still kicking around and and doing that, this this is always going to work. Um, it's just interesting to see twenty thirty years time. Will it still be the case of you know? We have someone on the podcast going, oh, yeah, we we hate meeting people face-to-face. What's the point? It's a waste of time. It's a strain on the environment, blah, 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 blah. You're like, oh, yeah, look how far yeah. we've come. Who knows? I love, the, I love the idea that the podcast is still running in 20 or 30 Definitely. years' time. Definitely. <laughs> what have we got better to do, Dave? Come on. <laughs> right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, share a bit of tech news. Welcome back to the show. Very quick bit of tech news. Uh, we don't want to take too much of your time. Yesterday, uh, Elon Musk, Jack's favorite person, fifth ah. richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, made $10 billion in a day. And then I see a report saying that Facebook is investigating uh, claims that its algorithms are discriminatory. Uh, so equality and inclusion teams to be, uh, sorry, to assess uh, Facebook and Instagram algorithms for bias. And just one thing to pull out of this article, the report, um, sorry, the paper reported that an internal analysis had found that black users were 50% more likely than other users to have their Instagram accounts disabled. But further research was prohibited by the by Instagram's management. Let me pull this all together because they all might sound quite disparate, but when you kind of think about it, Musk, fifth richest man in the world, Bezos makes 10 billion in a day, Facebook, other big tech firm, horribly biased against minority groups, and yet management, effectively, that last line of the article, prohibit further research prohibited by Instagram management. We're getting to a point where big tech is so powerful, so dominant, we're so reliant on it, and there are issues... And they're just not looking too deeply. I mean, Christ, if Facebook are doing an investigation into this, then someone's got to have held a gun to their head. Yeah, I mean, we know that for a fact that they don't like investigating themselves. You know, we still don't know if that committee that's meant to be checking out their morality over Zuckerberg was hired by Zuckerberg or otherwise. Like, we don't know. But I think to your disparate point is that each one of those three topics address the most pertinent, salient, real life points and problems that we're going through at the moment discrimination of black lives 
You know, you can't you can't deny that. You can't escape that. Before we came online, look, Ron's barking. He agrees that it's an issue. Yeah, um, I was thinking the same before, thing. <laughs> before we came on, I said to you when you said that stat about the 50% more likely that black users are banned, said it's not surprising. Like, it's shocking, terrible, and ghastly. But in this day and age, it's just not surprising anymore. Bezos earning $10 billion in a day. It's not surprising. Take that $10 billion and you'll end world hunger. That's a day's worth of his earnings. Not his earnings, but, you know. Uh, and Musk, I mean, if he's not the, you know, the miscellaneous of what is wrong with the world, I don't know what is. Was quick to endorse Kanye to be president. Called his child after a helicopter slash aeroplane. And he's getting richer and richer and more megalomania or megalomaniacal, if you will, uh, as each day fucking passes. Yeah. I love the man. We need people. And we said this on the coffee break. We need people like this to push the boundary, to continue to develop and grow technology. What we don't need is him coming out and calling people pedos every now and then and mm. endorsing people like Kanye West and stuff. Um but look, you know, don't meet your heroes, I guess. Musk is a, is an odd, odd oddity, um, but one that we need. Bezos, he could he could drop off the face of the world and we'll be fine. He's a bit scummier, isn't he? I mean, there's an, inter- there's an interesting line in this article to, that, that I think is worth bearing in mind as well. Algorithmic discrimination has long been a concern of civil liberties watchdogs. For instance, an advertising system that learns who to show adverts to could inadvertently recreate racial biases if it comes to associate a particular race with low incomes. 2016, there was this quote um, wow. by, by a guy called... No, this, this quote's coming up. I, I'm not going to pronounce the guy's name because I have no idea how it looks. Polish? Uh, I'll spell it. M-A-C-I-E-J. That's his first name. Second name, C-E-G-L-O-W-S-K-I. Sleglowski. Anyway, what he says is really important. The fact that I'm I'm a moron is not interesting. Uh, machine, machine learning is money is like money laundering for bias. It is clean mathematical apparatus that gives the status quo an aura of logical inevitability. The numbers don't lie. We've got to be really careful. Like we've said this a million times. Um, but you just look at the platforms and it's true. Um, you know, if you look at the data, it might well tell you that certain products should be aimed at certain uh racial groups because sure. that's the demographic that they fit. And it's, sure. it's just wrong. I would hazard a guess that, you know, crocs are only aimed at targeted at, you know, middle aged white people. Bankers. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> two the same. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, look, you don't, I, I'm one of these weirdos that doesn't mind cookies and targeted ads because I'd rather see ads that appeal to me than ads that don't. I, I know that's probably wrong or whatever, but fine. That's going to happen based on my race, age, background, and so on and so forth. And mm. um, what is alarming is, is to hark back to that, you know, the 50% more likely stat that you mentioned. Um, And this just shows that bias in, bias out, garbage in, garbage out. If the people or programming or whatever was designed this way, you know, with this almost war on drugs mentality, it seems, even on social media, we're fucked. And the programming's fucked and it needs a total reset or, or, or refresh to to move past it that that money laundering quote about machine learning perfect absolutely perfect you think you're doing the right thing you think you're getting away with it but you're not actually doing anything right or worthy here um, and until until you have committees 
that are doing stuff around machine learning and AI, like ensuring bad data doesn't go in. I don't know how you can govern it. I really don't. Yeah. Look, I, I think there's we, we should probably pause there. Uh, Jack, thank you for joining me today. Ron, thanks for joining me today. Everyone else, have a lovely weekend. <laughs>